Welcome everyone to Seek Go Create. This is where we redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry. Today, we are going to take success and we're going to explode it because we're going to take someone who's been through challenges and you know what everyone has in life. But when I read this person's book, I could not put it down. I read it in about two nights because I just kept thinking, wow, what's happening next with this person's life? What's happening next? And I won't spoil it now, but you're going to want to listen in. So uh, we've got someone who's super successful, but they've been through a, a quite the journey to get to that place. So make sure you pay attention and listen in. Before we get to that, I want to remind everyone I have my novel that will have been released by the time this uh, podcast releases. Super excited about all the feedback we're getting. It is so such a stretch to write and to put it in the hands of people. I was just talking to our guest about that before we clicked record. And, uh, you know, you expose yourself to a different level when all of a sudden you put words on paper. And I'm realizing that I've got a, a real excitement about releasing the book. And then also a little bit of, uh, I don't know if anxiety is even the right word. I don't typically own that word, but I feel a little bit anxious about it. The feedback, though, has been awesome. Go check it out. You can go to timwinders.com forward slash book and get all the details. It is up live on Amazon and you can get that information. So today, I, as I said earlier, we've got, I think, I love all the conversations we have. But when I get someone who's got a story that just grips me and moves me, it's even more exciting to me. Today we have Mary Tautimez. Hope I pronounced that right. I believe I did. Um, I practiced it earlier. She's our guest and she's got a long bio, but I'm just going to simply say she's a certified EOS implementer. So she's all into the traction and all, which we're going to have a conversation about that later. She's an author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, has quite a story. Mary, welcome to Seek Go Create. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you're here and uh, really, really excited about the conversation that we're going to have. But as we get started, let me ask, when someone asks you what you do, what do you typically tell people? I tell them I have a day job that I love. Uh, it doesn't feel like a job. It doesn't feel like work, which is, as you said, a certified EOS implementer. So I get to help businesses get traction in their business. And yeah, that's great. That's wonderful day job. Very rewarding work. My passion, and that's one of the things we talk about as being implementers is that we have time for other passions. And so my real passion in life is really um, breaking down the confines of business and personal and kind of pulling that all together and seeing us as the whole person that we are coming into business and all of our messiness and all of the things that we're trying to accomplish in life and just really hitting head on what those challenges look like, how to get through them, how to develop emotional mastery, how to face things head on like that. I don't know if you've ever heard the term be the bison, but just facing the storm and getting, I just love teaching other people how to do that. And I love sharing my story, not for the sake of sharing my story, but because I know when I share my story that other people are listening autobiographically. So they are processing their own life and their own struggles in the psych you know, psychological safety of my story. And I think that's really important, an important gift to share um, to the world. Yeah, I, and I'm very familiar with bison. I'm actually currently in uh, South Dakota, and they've got, you know, bison, buffalo. Some people call them buffalo. That's not technically the correct term. But, yeah, we see them all the time, and they are such a 
powerful, <laughs> powerful animal when you see them standing there so strong. They've got the shoulders and all that are strong. But, I, but before you get too much further, I, I want to just kind of hit you with what I think is kind of a tough question right out of the gate. Is it really possible to strike that? I don't even know if the word's balance. I hate the word balance, just so you know. Is it really possible to strike that in the world we're in between business and personal and have it all be harmonious and, you know, sunshine and roses and all that kind of stuff? Or is it just going to be a natural tough thing? I don't, I don't think there is such a thing as balance. I think there is such a thing as integration. And that's what I'm aiming for is, is, um, is really integrating all the parts of our of our life. But every single quarter, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan, as you read in the book, and he has something that I'm sure lots of other coaches before him have had, which is this wheel of life. And on the wheel of life, you plug in, you know, where are you on a scale of one to 10 on your wealth? Where are you on a scale of one to 10 on your health, on your relationships, on your growth and contribution, on your spirituality, right? So you, you do all of that. And every quarter I fill this in and I just see where the wheel's out of balance. And sometimes there will be seasons of life where one thing will be at zero to one for years because it's just not time yet to address that area of our life. And it's not about saying, oh, I've got to perfect this and get every single thing and try to get every single thing to tens. It's just, it's just becoming aware that this last season of life, this last quarter, I dedicated way more to family than to business. And now my business development is, is suffering. And so I just need to pick that up or realizing I've been focusing completely on business and my spouse is feeling really unseen and un, you know, appreciated right now. So it's just an opportunity to notice consistently and then just make course adjustments, I think. Yeah. And the thing, this is something that came to my mind about it, because this is something I put a lot of thought into also is how do we live in the current culture that we are? And we'll, we're going to throw this word around a lot, succeed, and we'll define it and talk more about it. Because, because if we go back historically, there's every effort to kind of segment our lives. It's like there, there's, there's business, there's our faith, there's you know, sometimes finances related to that, our family and, and our hobbies, all these things. I think everything tries to separate it out. And it sounds to me that you're kind of believing like I do, it really needs to integrate and work closer together, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your personal finances touch, touches every aspect of your life, right? Like it's, it's, it's fake to sit down and go once a week, we're going to work on that. Like, no, you're working on it every day. You're thinking about it every day. And you're thinking about it when, in terms of what results do I want to get out of my business to support my personal finances? Like it's all integrated. So it's just, it's, I just don't think that it's a worthy effort to say, to, to compartmentalize. I also think that um, it was easier to do when it was, when we had the traditional roles of men and women and men going to work and women, you know, maybe doing more at home and that totally made sense. And, and I, and I, I get envious sometimes, like when I listened to, I was listening to that book, deep work, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. I actually got angry. <laughs> I was like, I turned it off. Cause he's like all these wonderful thought leader men, you know, all throughout hundreds of years in history would go away. You know, Bill Gates goes away for two weeks at a time and he goes and thinks, or this other guy would go way every summer and he would go and think, and I'm like, we women don't, didn't have that option to do that kind of a thing. And so anyways, there was this total compartmentalization because there were these totally compartmentalized roles, 
But now that women are working more and more and trying to climb the career ladder and men are trying to figure out how do I support my wife in that? And how do we maintain it all is, it is kind of messy. And I'm still trying to figure out we're my husband and I, I love that you do so much with marriage. I mean, we're actively working on our marriage. Like, okay, what are the rules and how do you feel the way that you need to feel as my husband? And how do I feel like the way I need to feel as an entrepreneur and then how does that play out at home with our kids? And then the kids come into the office, like it's all messy. And I think that it's really about accepting the messiness that it is and, and having self-compassion for that. And so I had a coach tell me that one time, she's like, Mary, you really just need to have some self-compassion. And I'm like, Ashley, she's amazing. She's also an executive coach. I'm like, literally, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means to have self-compassion. Like I understand logically the words I could read the dictionary version, but how do I actually exercise self-compassion in this messy thing that we're trying to, you know, live this really great life and hit all of our objectives, but also have peace and balance and space and spirituality. Like, and she said, self-compassion looks like this. You get home after a really stressful day, you feel the need to open a bottle of wine, right? There's this, this moment, this, and, and really what's happening in that moment is you're trying to change your state, right? You're trying to get into, you're like, I just want to feel different than I feel right now. And it's about creating that pause. You know, Stephen Covey talks about responsibility and it's that space, that ability to respond. I can choose here how I want to respond. Do I, do I just continue to open the bottle of wine and just lose myself and forget my day? Or do I take a moment and just ask a question and just say, wait a second, what am I feeling right now? I'm feeling really sad. I'm feeling really lonely. I'm feeling really stressed. I'm feeling really, and just write it all down or just stack it all up in your head and kind of take that in. And then just, this is where the self-compassion comes in. And then you say, it makes sense. It totally makes sense that right now, all I want to do is sip on a lovely glass of wine and just pretend like none of this stuff is happening right now. And I just want to hit the eject button on my day and go somewhere else. And that's okay. And so what she said is it's okay to continue with a glass of wine at that point, if that's what you choose to do, but it's about becoming conscious and aware that all of this messiness creates all these feelings and all these feelings of inadequacy. And then what you do with your glass of wine is you log into Facebook and you have this, you're not even aware of all the comparison that you're doing of how great everyone's else's life is. It's not even happening consciously. And then we just further this spiral of, I don't feel great. So I, th I think I'll pour another glass of wine. It's just taking time to step away from that and back from that and just noticing all the messiness that we are and then making different decisions, which starts with some emotional mastery. It starts with some awareness and, you know, different choices. So, so one thing that came to my mind, uh, actually multiple things. I loved all that, that you said. The first thing that I had a vision of was, <laughs> and this might date me and some people might even not have a clue what I'm talking about. Calgon, take me away. There used to be this old commercial where this woman would <laughs> be in a tub and I guess Calgon was kind of a bubble bath or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I, and I was, when you were talking about wine, I was thinking very similar. I sometimes it's a whiskey, a, a, a bourbon or something like that, that it's just like, okay, let's kind of 
chill out a little bit. And and I think some of those things are not not that bad on the surface. I think anything can be abused. And I think you brought up two things that that we could abuse, which is um, alcohol or substance. We'll call it substance. And then the social media comparison thing. But this is the big question that came to me right when you started that that uh, that um, conversation there. Is it tougher for women? It, is this topic tougher for women just because of the culture that we have baked in to the male-female roles? I think that it is, and I don't think it's anyone's fault in particular. I think it's, I think it is really complex with all, when I look at all the roles that I play, I have four kids, I'm a grandmother, as we were talking about, I um, am a daughter-in-law, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I have my own family and parents, and then I have the business, and then I'm a coach, and then I've, I've got all these different roles. And, and what makes that easier is that I'm the same person in each of those roles. There's no two versions of me. So that certainly makes it easier. So if you're showing up as different people, well, that would be exhausting. So just definitely work on being your most authentic self. But I think that it is really challenging for women. Um, and that's not to, I was writing about it this morning for a talk I'm about to give. And I went down this whole rabbit hole of how hard it is for us to level up, how hard it is for us to learn, how hard it is for us to network, how hard it is, why women don't reach up the ladder for the next position. Um, it's torture. It is torture trying to raise a small family and have that role in the small family where if your kid has a bloody nose, throws up, gets head lice, you're the one that's on call. You're the one who can't work the 12 to 15 hours if it's required in a day. And so it creates this, um, this exclusivity. It, it, so I didn't even know this until recently that inclusion, when we talk about inclusion, it means accepting people for their whole life and saying, you probably can't be here till after five because you gotta go, you know, you have these other roles in your life and not making people bad for it and just saying, cool, how, how else can we support you in that? And then there's another coworker who loves working, you know, 15 hour days every day and that's just their thing. But as a woman feeling inadequate in work because I couldn't put in the same hours and then feeling inadequate at home because I was spending too many hours at work. And so you're just always on this guilt loop of I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. Um, and women are naturally terrible delegators. So I don't know what it is. We have this little voice in our head that we imagine other people saying, oh my gosh, I don't know how she does it all. And I tell women, nobody's saying that about you. And no one cares that you got the thing done or didn't get the thing done. It's, it's, it may be on your plate, it may be your accountability, your responsibility, but you can delegate that to someone else. And this occurred to me one day when I asked my husband to take out the trash and he's like, yep, got it. And then he called to like the closest boy in the house and he was like, take out the trash. And I was immediately angry. And then I, and I, and at the time I was going through some coaching, I think coaching is a really important thing to do because it helps you reflect. And I was going through coaching and they said, what are you really angry about? Like, are you really angry at him for that? Or are you really angry? Cause you're not doing the same thing. And I'm like, it's that it's that it's that I'm not doing the same thing. And I don't know why that is. And so women have to get better at being comfortable delegating. No one cares about your checklists just, or who's doing it. Um, and in EOS, we have a delegate to elevate. So there's this exercise that we teach and we go through, and I was literally doing it this morning because I'm like, why am I still doing the dishes? Like I, how have I not like gotten out of that role in my house? So it's a continuous evolving thing. Every quarter you look at it and you go, what else could I get off my plate that I don't love or that doesn't bring me joy? 
and keeps me from doing what I should be doing, which if you're a woman in business, you need to be learning. You need to be growing. You need to be networking. You need to be, you know, driving the business forward. And there's probably a handful of things that we could be delegating to other people that give us, and you need to be resting. You need to be taking time off. You need to be traveling in an RV in all these wonderful places, getting your work in, but also getting the balance of beautiful nature and life. And so I think that I do think I, it's a really long answer. I do think it, I don't mean to perpetuate like, oh, women have it so hard, but it is really hard. It really genuinely is yeah, hard. I think the, and, and, and I guess this is kind of fresh in my mind and because I want to, I want us to go to what you shared in your book, keep going that is kind of your origin story. You know, we all have origin stories and it was, um, you know, that you were pregnant and had a child at 15, which, which would have been different for a male. First of all, they can't get pregnant and, you know, obviously we don't have to get into those differences here, but, but I had a thought, and it was kind of interesting leading into this conversation, Mary, because I was listening to a podcast yesterday when I was on the treadmill in the gym and it was talking about some sexual abuse situations that occurred in organizations and it and it basically was out of Christianity today so it was an it was not just organizations it was organizations that had a spiritual aspect to it which is not any better or worse it's just it it's it's even more challenging i think but they were talking about things and I recognize something and I'm 58 years old and I try to press myself, probably not as hard as we all should, but I try to press myself to think outside the box, think differently. It's what I do. It's what I do with people just like you. I recognize when I was listening to that, that I've kind of got some closed mindedness about situations related to uh, building different thought processes within organizations. And, and, and I don't think it's malicious. I hope it's not. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy and everybody has a chance, but, but it was, it was very fascinating to me that what you just shared about, uh, not being adequate and things like that. I don't, this is going to sound really weird, but I think it helps our dialogue that never crosses my mind. And I, right. and I think it does with a lot of males, which which really just adds gasoline to this possible conflict. Correct? Yes. And I just heard this recently, and I and I had and I experienced it as well. That really kind of the definition of privilege is not even knowing something's an issue. And so, and I have that too. We all have some level, not all of us, but a lot of us have some level of privilege. Like I didn't know. Like I didn't know that that gender, that race, that segment of people was experiencing that I didn't know. And then, and I, and then I feel bad about it and then, but it's cool. It's like, oh, but now I do. So then what do I do about it? And I don't have to become an activist about everything, but certainly raising my awareness and and becoming aware of the language I'm using or, you know, how, how, you know, reading deep work and saying, oh, you should just go away and think for three weeks. And like a woman's going to be like, yeah, sounds great. You know, like, okay, well then what can we do? Right. We don't have to walk around angry about all of it all the time. It's just becoming aware of it. But the, um, the part that you're talking about with the system and, and the lack of awareness in the system, it's everyone. The the thing is, is that everyone's aware of it. I feel not everyone, a lot of people are aware of it, but people aren't talking about it. People aren't 
and or if they see something, it's really scary. So taking say abuse in, in Christianity, any form of abuse, whatever in Christianity or any organization, it's terrifying to talk about it. Who, if you know about it, if you are the victim, if you are the abuser, if you're someone that knows about it until we start to become more open, honest, and vulnerable. And by vulnerable, you know, and you're talking about your book earlier, like there's this feelings, anxiety, there is this literal, like, well, I guess it's not literal, but you are sticking your neck out when you expose things or when you say things, or if you in the organization are the person that's saying, Hey, I think we have a race issue in our organization. Like if you look around, I don't see a lot of diversity. That's you sticking your neck out. Or if you say, I think that little boy might be being abused over there or that little girl, or I think something's going on, but you know what? It's so much easier understandably so because life is already really hard as we already talked about it's already really messy and really hard and we're all trying to like figure our own stuff out and then it's like then do i turn over here and stick my stick my neck out for somebody who i'm not or i don't relate to or i don't really understand it and so i think again back to the same thing i think it's about raising the awareness and going okay i wasn't aware of that and then what would what would that feel like what would it be like to be that person how can i have empathy for what that experience must be like and then maybe just asking, I had a friend, an Asian friend, um, through all the stuff that was going on, you know, during COVID. And I was so embarrassed because I literally didn't know that was an issue in the United States. I had no idea. And then I called her and I said, I had no idea. And I'm super embarrassed. And I'm even embarrassed to say this, but I'd like to get on a call with you because I want to understand more. And then I want to understand more about what I can do. And the whole call, I was extremely uncomfortable, like very uncomfortable. I'm like, so embarrassed about what I didn't know. But that is what we call, we went in, in that moment, I went from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence. That is an extremely uncomfortable place to be. So now I know that this person here is suffering or this group is suffering or whatever. And then I just have to decide like what I'm going to do with that information and how I get involved. Mm. So, so let's, that allows an opening for me to dive into something that I think helps this. In your book, Keep Going, you pretty much start off with your story, and I'm going to let you tell a little bit of the story in just a moment so that you can kind of catch people up, knowing that they need to get the book. These are some emotions that I found myself, and this is me kind of being a little bit transparent here. I was reading this going, I really need to understand this type of background more, because I don't think males and in your story there was a male involved obviously when a child is comes forth but the male has a different experience Mm -hmm. and 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 so here's what's weird about it mary and i'm gonna i bet no one's ever told you this and i'm kind of risking a little bit here i found myself judging a little bit as i read going well why did she make that decision well come on why did she do that And it bothered me that I wasn't more compassionate and empathetic, but I think that's part of the beauty of the book. Now, the cool thing about the book, I want to say something about the format. It's got this just streaming level of consciousness, and I was reading it at night, and I never got to a break that I could stop, (laughs) which is is just like life, isn't it? Yeah. So... So I threw a, a few things at, at at you that you may not have ever heard from anyone. Tell us 
a little bit more about this story and what does it do for you when you hear old white dude is kind of going, Ooh, I can't believe, I can't believe she made that decision. Well, oh, this, like, this is that? not going to end well. Uh, I mean, uh, and I'm sort of confessing, but probably not well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's totally good. I have so many thoughts here. One on the streaming uh, consciousness. It's funny. A good friend of mine read the book and she was like, you write this like a seven. She's, I'm a seven Enneagram. And she's like, you write this like a seven. Like you're just this, like, because I just get it all out. So it's all out. And, and, um, and so to go back to, um, yeah, that's the risk, first of all, of writing something so deeply personal and sharing something so deeply personal, because people are going to read it from their perspective, from their lenses, their lenses in life. They came from really healthy backgrounds with healthy parents and healthy, you know, scenarios. I did not. And so I was listening actually this morning to the five love languages and he's talking this morning and what he was talking about, um, at the very beginning of the book was that we will, he was talking about our gas tanks of love. And when a child's gas tank is empty, they will do things to fill their gas tank that even they don't understand because they're just trying to feel connection. They're just trying to feel love. So what that means for a young girl is that for not all young girls, but for me is that I did not have what I needed in terms of love at home from my own parents. They were going through all their own stuff as parents do. And I don't blame them. Um, they certainly <laughs> play a role in it, but, but at the same time too, I also feel like for some reason, this is just my destiny in life. And I don't know why that is and why I had these parents and why this all happened at that time. I've never been a victim. I've always said, okay, this is happening. I guess I got to take responsibility. So, but regardless, the reason children ever act out or do things that are inappropriate in any context is because they are seeking love and connection and they don't know how to get it. And, a, I was and the same thing for ad adults are the same way. I mean, let's go ahead and say it. Some people That's true too. are doing that. That's at, not wrong. You know, 60, 70, 80 years old still. So, but yeah, but yours was a very young age. Yeah. And I was sexually abused uh, at the age of nine. And then that continued throughout my life until I finally got counseling at 19 and started to change the the way that I operated in relationships and um, and, and have done a massive amount of self-work to understand what I'm worth and that I don't have to give of myself in order to be worthy of love, like really heavy stuff. So that version, that, that girl is now going into adult situations. And I also hit, went through puberty at nine. So I, by the time I was 10, 11, 12, I looked like a grown woman. My daughter's 14 now. And it, she, everyone says the same thing. They're like, gotcha, I just, I forget she's 14. And, and so what happens is, is you get really confusing energy from adults because you're being treated like an adult and you're not, you're just a kid who has no experience of the world, but and it's confusing because it doesn't feel good and it does feel good at the same time. And so you just follow the path of it feels good because it, it, it feels like connection and you're not consciously going, well, this seems like a really great place to get connection and love. You're just acting uh, the way we all do to, to your point, even as adults, we, we don't sometimes know why we're doing what we're doing until hindsight. Um, so that's, that's my, my background. And then I spent the rest of my life, uh, really trying to be 
healthy, emotionally, financially, physically. Um, and I have thrown hundreds of thousands of dollars at that. And I had to make enough money to be able to do that because when my, I, I share in my book that my brother passed away when, when he was nine, uh, 23 and I was 19. And when that happened, all of a sudden I felt like there was this timer on life. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I could be gone any day. And I felt this urgency to like fix my life and, and make sure that I could get to a really great life before I died, because I could see other people having really great experiences. I just didn't understand why I didn't deserve that too. But I knew that, or felt that no one else was going to ever create that for me. I was going to have to create that for myself and figure that out. And so that's what I spent the rest of my life. Well, I'm only 41. So that's what I've spent, I was say, you're you know, quite, the gap, you're quite, you know, part of the say pros of starting young is that you're a very young grandmother. <laughs> um, yes. yeah, so there's true. silver lining. Any other, I guess this sounds almost hate to ask this, any other silver linings, any other positives for, uh, for just the way you came through life? I mean, we all have our journey. Uh, my wife and I talk yeah. about this all the time. Everyone has a story and yeah. some stories Absolutely. seem better or worse. I'm not sure that we can, I'll go back to the word I used earlier, judge that, but anything else that would be a silver lining from the way Mary, uh, you know, came along? I wouldn't change anything along my journey because I I'm grateful for every lesson. I, every single time I felt like, okay, I'm here, I'm here to learn something. And then I'm going to be here to turn this around someday. I'm going to, I'm going to show other people someday how to do this. And I always had that in mind from the time I got pregnant when I was 15, I'm like, I kind of a coping mechanism I had, and I'm also a visionary. So I always envision a future to get myself. It's a coping mechanism. When we talk in EOS, we talk about visionaries and integrators and whatever. And what I teach visionaries is most visionaries have some kind of trauma <laughs> that they had to imagine a better future to get through the existing hard stuff. And it's also why visionaries are so dysfunctional because they're always creating new stuff because things are always hard. <laughs> and so there, there's like, it's a superpower and a kryptonite. But I think that it's about, I, the way that I think about the really hard things that have happened in our life is like nuclear energy. And nuclear energy can power a city or it can destroy it depending on how well-contained it is and how you tap into it. And so I have been working on removing that nuclear energy out of my body because it, it does, it lives in your body and, and it will ruin your life and will give you dis-ease, disease. And instead, but you don't ever get to get rid of it. That's not really an option, unfortunately. I wish there was a checkbox or some like, well, that happened a long time ago. So linearly, wouldn't you just be over it? No, it's so instead of carrying it in my body, the way I see it is I, I have it in a backpack on my back because it's always going to be with me, but it's not in my body. And then I tap into it when I need leverage for a situation because there's power in that energy. There's a lot of power in anger and frustration and hurt, but I don't want to carry that with me inside my body. So I just carry it out there. And when I need it from time to time to create leverage, to move myself forward, I just <laughs> and use it. So I think that if people understand that they can harness these things and they can decide on the meaning and then they can, and, and, and also understanding, I realized this recently in a, in a different program I was talking in. And I always thought from the very first therapy session I had when I was 19, I thought 
that there would be a checkbox. I thought if I just did this and this and this, and then I got this coach and I got this therapist and I prayed and then I, then, then it would all go away. And there's no checkbox and there's no amount of time that can pass that takes that hurt away in any kind of loss or trauma or thing, you know, the way that I see it is this, if I could explain it one more way that I think is really important is that when these things happen to us, it's like this, this ball, this sphere that we, that does get installed inside of us actually initially. And we are going to process this experience that we've had through all these different lenses as we get older, as we start new relationships, as relationships end, as we have children, as we have grandchildren, we're going to reprocess and think about this experience through all these new perspectives. That's what we're doing. And I think as long as we can become aware of it and just notice when it's happening and go, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about it again. And what am I learning here? And it's just another learn. It's another lesson to you know, hopefully be grateful for, because being anything other than grateful is going to shut you down and it's going to remove you from the realm of possibility. It's going to keep you small. It's going to keep your energy small and it's going to keep you sick versus asking for what's possible and, and how this can be a gift for me and for the world around me. I think that's, I think that's the silver lining. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought up that someone would read the book and it, and it wasn't like that's the only uh, situation you went through. There's a lot of situations in life. And, but I think everybody has that. And my wife and I've said the same thing. We've gone through various issues, challenges and things related to finances. And we have said the same thing. We wouldn't necessarily wish the journey on someone else, but we're thankful that we went through it because that's what's defined us. That's now who right. we are. And I do love that you said, and, and I didn't actually pick up on it at all when I was reading through that there was a victim mindset anywhere through the process. But, you know, it's one thing to live a life like that. Mary, it's another thing to write about it <laughs> and share it with the world. What was the catalyst to actually put all those words uh, on paper and writing digital, whatever, and say, I want to share this story with the world? Because every time I share any part of my story, it helps other people like over and over and over again. And I'm frankly tired of talking about it. <laughs> and so when you put in a book, you'd be like, here's the book. Like you could read it if you wanted to. And if you have questions, I'm happy to answer them, but I don't, I don't actually want to continue to tell my story. <laughs> like I want to move on. And so, because another thing is, is I have a, a, a coach again, a new coach. And he said, he, and I was telling him about this work I'm doing. I'm creating all this new stuff. And he said, yay, Mary. He's like, yay, you know how to hashtag keep going. That's the name of the book is hashtag keep going. You know how to keep going. You know how to smash through obstacles, create new things, do all this stuff. That's so great. And that's served you up until here. But this will not be the same thing that serves you to get to the next level. And he said, so I think that the next book should be called hashtag stop running because what are you running from? And so that's what I'm working on now, which is going into the stuff that happened before I got pregnant at 15. And like, that's what I've been running from. And I've been avoiding talking about it. And I've been avoiding putting it out into the world because when you do get it out, you really get it out. Like you, even if nobody ever read the book, 
it's out of me now. And it's not, and it's, so it's a very cathartic process to do, to write about. Um, I have a friend of mine who, who told me recently, he read the book last week and he's a military guy. And he said, you know, Mary, it always bothered me. He said, I, I gotta be honest with you. He's such a good friend. Good friends are the friends that tell you the things that are hard to hear, right? Just like you just did with me. Like when you're like, this is going to be hard for me to say, but I gotta, I gotta say this. He said, I've always just not understood why you're so open and vulnerable with people, why you share all these parts of yourself. It's really confusing to me because he's like, are you doing it for this reason or this reason? And he said, and when I read your book, I understand now that other people will heal because of what you're sharing. Like it will give other people an example of what it is to say these really hard things that happen so that they can begin to process and they can begin to heal and move on. And what I told him is that his name's Matt. He's, he's a great guy. And I said, Matt, vulnerability is efficient. That's why I do it. I'm vulnerable because as soon as I tell you what I'm struggling with, what I need help with, what I'm having a hard time with, the faster you can help me and the faster I can move out of pain. So it's excruciating first, but it's, it's the fastest way out of pain. And so that's why I share what I share. Cause I'm just like everybody else. I, I don't see myself when I speak on stage, I don't see myself on stage. I see myself standing alongside of you. Like, we're just trying to figure this out together. Aren't we like, I don't know, I'm still in pain too. And I'm trying to work up and out of it. And this is one of the ways that I've tried to do that. Yeah. It's definitely a, a process going through all of it you have and ups, down successes and all that. How, how, how do you define success now? What does success look like for Mary? Um, so I didn't know to define success for myself until, um, I was listening to Tony Robbins, ask a guy, how much money would you need to never have to work again? And so like, we're all answering in our heads. I'm like, how much money would I need? Right. And it was such an arbitrary number. It was like $20 million. And Tony's like, well, why, why would you need $20 million? And he said, he said, what do you want to do? Like, what kind of things do you want? And he said, well, I want a private jet. And Tony said, do you want a private jet or do you want the lifestyle? Cause there's a difference. And I remember writing this all down and I remember coming home and I remember writing down private jet. And I remember for the first time having this aha moment that I don't actually ever want a private jet or nor do I care for the lifestyle. I don't need that. I'm not that person but what do I want? And so what I realized was that if I, if I follow too many other people, which everyone's big on following, I might accidentally follow them into where they go and what they define as success. And that's the danger in social media, because you're, you are literally following people into where they are. And you're, and there's so many people that are saying you should be a millionaire by the time you're 25 years old. No, you shouldn't. And a millionaire is not the definition of success for me. Um, for me, the definition, the definition of success is doing the work that I love to do with people that I love. And I have time for other things that I really love as well. So I am living so far to this day, my very best life. And I can also see the future, but what, what it means is I have time to pick my kids up from school every week and I drop them off at school and I get to last night, we sat around the table after dinner and played a card game. Like that's to me, that's success. Like and having the space in my, my mind and my body to be present with every single person that I get to talk to. And then knowing that I'm having an impact, people coming back to me and saying, man, I heard this thing, or I saw this thing, or I read this thing. And it really gave me the voice to say, 
you know, and, and the things that people share back with me about their life, it's really hard stuff, like really hard stuff. And I'm so honored that they would share that with me and that they, you know, feel comfortable. And I know that that's the gift that I, that I get to be here. That's God's plan for me is to be an example of love for myself and others and possibility. Mm. Like I want to show you what's possible. Yeah, that was a great definition. And um, I'm glad I asked that question because- Sorry, I keep crying. Yeah, no, <laughs> so it's cool. Um, it's, uh, it's also part of kind of why we exist because we kind of got tired of the, the, the kind of the cookie cutter definition, you know, more money, the jet and all that kind of stuff. And listen, there's nothing wrong with a private jet. That's not the point. The point right. is don't, you know, watch some YouTube videos and say, that's what I am seeking because be careful what you're seeking. Because if you are seeking what that person is living, you might get all of what they're living and you don't see it all. You don't see all right. that. So I think it's, I think Good it's a point. powerful thing to continue pursuing what you were created to do. And, and, uh, that's what I enjoyed reading and seeing, but I, you brought up something that gave me a little kind of flash through my head here that I think I want to spend the last few minutes that we have together talking about. And that is you are doing a bunch of stuff right now. I mean, I went to your website, looked around and I went, wow, she's got a lot, a lot of stuff going on. And I just want to kind of ask you, what are you working on? What are you excited about? Uh, and what, I don't, I, I look to the future, maybe not as much as I used to. I mean, I used to be like hardcore, five years, 10 years, and all that. it's not like I'm not a goal setter, but just like, what does the near future look like for, uh, for Mary? Tell us what you're excited about. I'm excited about continuing my work with EOS. I think EOS is really what helped me finally um, get to the life I really, really wanted to get to. And I, and I love it and I love teaching it. What I'm super excited about is, is speaking. Can I pause, on can I pause you this. one second before, because I uh -huh. do want to ask this. Some people aren't familiar with, uh, you know, Gino's book traction and all that EOS is. Could you just real quick tell people what it is? Because it mm -hmm. gives a great framework for success in the entrepreneurial system. So give people a, a, just a short what it is, and then you can continue. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I'm. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. Um, so EOS stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's based on the book Traction, like you said, written by Gino Wickman. And what we do as EOS implementers is we help people implement this system into their business. And so it's something that helps us help them understand their clear vision, where they're going and how they're going to get there. It helps them get traction, like really getting disciplined and accountable to the things that they said they were going to do with each other as a team and then healthy as a leadership team. And then throughout the organization, because most companies are not very healthy and it starts at that, at the top and on, and everything about EOS kind of manages all of that. So we just teach a system. There's 450 EOS implementers around the globe. We work with companies that are between 10 to 250 employees. So it's not for you know companies that have 3,000 employees. There's a really specific target market that we work with that we find EOS does the best work in. Um, and it's just, it's great. And every implementer is different. We all have little flavors and we all teach exactly the same thing because it, it works. And so it really helped me and my family business. It, it helped make the family business very black and white 
and remove all the, the history and drama and stuff of like the business and just turn things into very black and white. This is where we're going. Here's how we're getting there. Hey, you're not doing your stuff. Why not? There's accountability. It's just, it sounds super simple it, and it is simple, but not necessarily easy. So it's just, it's good work. So that's what I do as a, as a day job. What I'm really excited about is, is merging together these concepts of leadership and self-development in with some EOS practices and concepts. So I'm building a talk for that on the, um, we talk about the five leadership abilities in EOS, how you break through your company's ceiling every single time, cause you're going to hit ceilings in a business, but you're going to hit them as a business. You're going to hit ceilings as a department and you're going to hit ceilings as an individual. And the individual part is the part I'm excited about talking about. And that's, that's my next thing is, is that talk and delivering that talk all around, hopefully the country and the world about what are the five things that you need to do to be a, an excellent leader of yourself so that you can continuously break through your own ceilings. But what's crazy is a lot of time, we don't even know we're hitting a ceiling. We're just like in that, we call it evolution and revolution. We're in this revolution. We don't even realize it. So how do you know you've hit a ceiling personally, professionally as an individual? And then how do you break through it every single time? I had someone, That's what I I had someone ask me, uh, I think it was, it might've been yesterday about what is the number one thing or the best thing or something. I can't remember the exact wording of the question that someone would need to be quote unquote successful. And I said, self-awareness, <laughs> they need to be aware of whatever it is they have. And the good thing about it is, is I think people that do what you do uh, to a certain extent, what I do, you know, coach or observe or whatever people call it. Um, I think it helps to have someone help you with that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, you have to, you have to, because you can't, I, the way that I see it, So self-awareness is exactly that you cannot, it's why you should do disc assessment and Myers-Briggs and Enneagram and Colby. And it's why you should get a coach because it's a reflection of what you're saying to yourself or each other as a team. I just don't, I don't know why there's ever an objection to getting a counselor or coach from anyone, anywhere. If you are a leader and you are not getting coaching, you probably shouldn't be a leader because there is no way you're elevating number one. And I don't care what the coaching type is. It's just get someone to reflect back to you what you're saying and how you're saying it. And so you can evolve. And this is crazy, but I sit with so many leadership teams I'm like, Oh, we have to read a book. And I'm like, you, you can't be serious. You cannot lead unless you are elevating yourself consistently. Like I don't, anybody that's watching or listening to this, if you are not getting coaching and reading or listening to podcasts like this, you probably should step down and let someone else step in and lead because that's, that's what leaders do. Yeah. I remember. Is that aggressive? It, it, it is. I appreciate it, man. So I won't tell it. You go, Mary, you go. I, it, uh, and it kind of goes back to, I mean, I think back uh, to the early nineties reading a John Maxwell book. And I remember the law of the lid, the organization is only going to grow to the level that the leader is growing. And if the leader's not growing, guess what? 
that organization is dying. And so I, I, I'm, I'm on board. You're preaching to the choir here. So thanks for doing that, Mary. And I, I agree with you. If you, I mean, I, this is kind of a funny story here. I hope they're not listening in, but I, I was kind of reaching out to people as I was getting ready for my book to launch saying, Hey, listen, I'm putting together a launch team and love to have you on it. And this person that I've known for a little while, they basically said, well, I don't read. And I went, oh, wait, what do you mean? You don't read novels? You don't read? No, I don't. I don't read. And I went, oh my gosh. And what's amazing, this is maybe bad on my part, I actually thought differently about that person right right away. I went, oh no, I didn't know that about about you. Oh no, that's horrible. What a what a what a what a horrible thing. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean it's I, I think it's I, I I reference this quite a bit is that Carol Dweck wrote a book, um <laughs> Mindset. And it basically I think we could lump people into a lot of categories, Mary. I think we have to be careful, you know, gender and color and ethnicity, all, all that kind of stuff. That's not necessarily good to group with that. She groups people into two categories, growth mindset or fixed mindset. And I'm like going, that's how we can group people. That's that's enough right there. Are you willing? Do you understand that you can actually influence this? And reading is and people are like, well, I can't do audiobooks. Then don't. Then do paper books. I can't do paper books. Great. Then do audiobooks. But if you are hungry enough, you will find a way to consume the information because reading and podcasts are like tapping into the best of human consciousness. Why would you not and and distill down to the best nuggets so that you can go farther faster? Who I just I can't relate. Who would not want that? I don't I don't know. But we probably wouldn't be. Friends. Well, what it does is it allows us to segment the people that we interact with because, uh, you know, it probably people don't come into your sphere if they aren't participating in something like that, learning, growing. And, and what do you want people to when, when someone does come into your sphere, when someone reads your book or they listen to you talk or you interact with them, what do you want them to come away with? What's the um, what's the outcome for that individual? I want them to become aware of their own story and get curious about what they haven't addressed in their own life that's causing a current ceiling for them. So, you know, and people are like, I can't believe you said that in the book on paper, you said that from the stage. And I'm like, right, which tells me you're not saying it about yourself in your own life. And so what's the one thing that you haven't faced that you really need to dig into that it would set you free if you could just face it and start to overcome it and use me as an example of what that looks like. Like I shouldn't be where I am. It's I have a mentor. He's the, he's a director of sales at HubSpot and he's been my mentor since 2016. Oh, he wrote the forward to my book, Dan Tire. And he said, he tells me all the time, he's like, Mary, you should not be where you are right now. Like they're just the trajectory. So if we all want to change our natural trajectory towards somewhere even better, maybe you're already on a great path, but even better, we got to go back and we got to dig in and, and help heal some of this other stuff so that we can break free in our current marriages, in our friendships, in our business, all those stories and all those patterns and thought patterns are a result of some of this really hard stuff. There are a handful of people that have never had any trauma in their life. I, I haven't met them. So is it's that it's that's, I, I want people to start to, 
I unzipped myself, as you saw in this book, and I put all of myself on the table for people to look at and go, you know, and it's like, it's such a vulnerable experience. I get it. Let me be the example of what you can do as well. And, and, and then you can turn around and create that safe space for other people to do the same thing. And the more we heal that, the more love we have, the more love we have, the better we do in the world and the more people we can help. So I think it's, it's that, how do you really break through your individual ceiling by addressing some of the stuff that maybe you've been afraid to address? Excellent. I love that. Mary, how can people connect with you? What do you want to send them? We'll include it down in the notes, but let us know where people can connect with you. My website is the best place, marytaltimas.com, which is, uh, it's, I'm sure you'll spell it out, M-A-R-I. So my name is with an I, Mary with an I, Tautimas, T-A-U-T-I-M-E-S.com. Um, all my socials are there speaking. If you want to book for speaking, or you just want to talk to me, like if you, you read the book and you're like, this, this is great, this is helpful. I, I will talk to anyone that is on a journey of growth and self-development and, you know, wants to talk more about that. Yeah, very good. We'll include that. And yeah, that is a tough name. you got all kind of uh, issues with potential spelling and all there. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I had a conversation last week with Kate Smith. It's like, oh man, I'm so jealous. It's like, we didn't have to spell anything out or anything like that. Um, well, that said, my, there's only one of me. So there's that. <laughs> you, you own all your digital assets because you it. got it yeah. there. Good, Mary. I appreciate that. We are Seek, Go, Create, Mary. Uh, I kind of gave you a little bit of warning on this. I'm going to give you one of those words over the other two. Which one resonates with you or means more right now than the other two? Seek, go, or create, and why? I would say seek because I'm always looking for what's next, how I can grow, how I can learn, how I can make something better, um, which I said earlier is a superpower and kryptonite because I'm always creating the future for other people, but then I'm I struggle to be present. So... It's a, it's a balance, but I love to seek. Yeah, that's good. And uh, it's a great word. So glad you chose that one. Make sure you get the book, folks. Uh, hashtag keep going. I read it over the last couple of nights. Read it from the whole deal. I read the whole thing and it was excellent. And uh, I think it gives you a great foundation for understanding who Mary is. And I believe understanding who yourself is. So make sure you uh, check that out, get the book, all the links will be available. And uh, keep, stay connected to Seek, Go, Create. We've got detailed notes, some of the mentions, some of the mentions that we had throughout the uh, the podcast, they'll be linked down in the, uh, the notes, depending on where you're listening in. And uh, I just appreciate you sharing this. This message, there is someone there is someone who's been through a challenge, maybe not just like Mary's, but someone that's been through a challenge that would be blessed by hearing this conversation and being able to connect with Mary. Take a screenshot of, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're on YouTube or social, and just share this with that person. I can almost guarantee that a, a face or name came to your mind. Please share this. I know it'll be a blessing to them. And like Mary said, she'll talk to anybody. So, uh, so try to connect them. And uh, I appreciate you listening in. Thanks again to Mary. And uh, we have new episodes every Monday. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.